Very welcome to a very special service this morning, a family service and a service of also to honour our good friend Morel Murphy who was 100 years of age yesterday. So could I ask the congregation please to stand as Morel comes to the front. Please be seated. Morel, can we wish you from Ballycrock and Presbyterian Church a very happy birthday for yesterday and uh, may you have many, many more of them. Okay. So, um, unfortunately, I, I have to um, announce with regret uh, the death of Mr. Raymond Hayes during the week. Uh, his funeral took place yesterday from Clark's and Son's funeral home. And our thoughts and prayers go out to Kathleen and to Raymond and to Fiona and the whole family circle and Michelle included in that. At this evening's Life Lounge, our guest will be Lauren Davidson, who works with the charity Home NI. Uh, waiting for Sophie will lead our praise and uh, we hope you can join us at half past seven. And then we have Barry's Big Quiz, which is not online this year. It's face-to-face. It's on Friday the 3rd of February at half past seven. Uh, And you can please see the information in the order of service and sign-up sheets are available in the vestibule. Um, I'll be taking a reading week uh, from this Wednesday, the 1st of February, through to Wednesday the 8th of February. And John Honeyford will lead next week's service and he'll be available for pastoral cover. And should you need any assistance, please contact Billy Heintman. Um, Also, we've got some word for today as well that have come in. John Armstrong notified me this morning. If you would like a free copy, they're at the back in the vestibule of the church. Please take one. I'd like to welcome a couple of people this morning. Um, From the Sea Cadet Corps, Brian Harvey. Lieutenant of the Royal Navy Reserve, and uh, he's going to be doing a reading for us. You're very welcome. And uh, indeed, our sea cadets, it's great to see them here this morning, and they'll be taking part a little later in the service. Um, And James Burnett, who is uh, the Royal Navy chaplain in training, and uh, really appreciate him coming along. He's from the HMS Hibernia. And he's also principal of Belfast Bible College, uh, where Elaine and I went many moons ago. So uh, also I'd like to thank Bill Carey as well for helping get some of these things in place. You know, it's hard for anyone who's never been on the front line uh, during a war to understand just how difficult and terrifying it can be away from home The comrades become one another's family, and each can identify with one another's fears. 
and many gel as true lifelong friends, more like brothers. So I want to just start the service this morning by reading from Proverbs 18, verse 24, where King Solomon, he writes, there are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. And our theme today, as you can see at the front, are about friends, friendships, and in particular, being friends of God. Let me pray. Father, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, for being able to come this morning and to give thanks to you for all your blessings. We thank you for your mercy, for your grace, for your forgiveness on a daily basis. We thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, we can't have uh, King Charles here with us this morning, but we do have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in our midst. And Jesus, we pray that you would be glorified in this service. We pray, Lord, that you'd lead us and guide us. We thank you, Lord, for our brother in Christ, Morel Murphy. We thank you, Lord, for the times you've brought him through, the good times and the not-so-good times. And we thank you that he's here with us today and loved by everyone in the congregation. We just pray that he would relax and enjoy the service in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let me just uh, set the scene for our service. There may be people perhaps online that, uh, and some people may be here coming to celebrate that just aren't familiar. Uh, Basically, we had a wonderful night last night at the Clandy Boy uh, Lodge Hotel. Um, But today in our service, we'd like to combine um, our monthly family service, which is a bit of fun with the children and so forth, with a time of reflection on Morel's very full life. As you know, the Royal Navy means a lot to Morel. In the Second World War, he served on the HMS Capel, Uh, which we're just going to see it on the screen now. There it is. Um, He served on that, and HMS Capel covered the waters off the coast of France, dropping death charges, helping to keep the waters clear for the final D-Day Normandy landings. Unfortunately, a German U-boat lurking nearby sent several torpedoes towards the HMS Capel, one of which hit and split the ship in two. And Morel, being on the deck, was thrown clear into the water. Um, He managed to get to a life raft, and with his clothes in tatters, he lay on this life raft, cold and wet, for two hours until he was picked up and taken to an American hospital in Cherbourg. Meanwhile, back at his home, his mother and father, they had received a telegram, and following that, received a letter from the king to say that Morel was missing in action and that it would be very unlikely that he was still alive. But of course, you can't keep a good thing down. And Morel arrives back home and he knocks on the door, only to be received by screams of shock, which soon turned to tears of joy. And on that note, I would like to read to you and indeed read to Morel a poem which I came across during the week uh, by Robert Longley. It's called A Hero's Welcome. That's a poem written for those who didn't actually return from the war, but 
When I read it, I felt it was so appropriate for Morel's return back to Bangor to his family and after having such a trying time. It's called a hero's welcome. Time to come home, dear brother. Your tour of duty through. You've given as much as anyone could be expected to do. Just a few steps further, the smoke will start to clear. Others here will guide you. You have no need of fear. You have not failed your brothers. You clearly gave it all. And through your selfless actions, others will hear the call. So take your place of honor among those who have gone before and know you will be remembered for now and evermore. We're going to stand, and Morel has picked uh, three of the hymns of today's four, and we're going to stand and sing, How Great Thou Art.
Now I'm going to invite SCC Brian Harvey, Lieutenant of the Royal Naval Reserve, to come and read John 15, verses 9 to 17. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Thank you. The boys and girls would like to come up to the front. I have a couple of wee stories for you. Okay. Now, who likes to walk? You like to walk? Who likes to jump? You like to jump? Well, I'm going to be doing a bit of walking this morning and a bit of jumping because I want you to imagine that this, that there's a massive big Bible at the front here. We've got some of the books, Genesis, Exodus, Luke, and John. And I'm going to be trying to walk through the scriptures and jump into some of the chapters to see what's there. But we're going to start, first of all, with Genesis. Now, let me just jump into Genesis. Genesis chapter 6 verse 9 says, Noah walked with God. Now, it doesn't mean that he physically went out for a walk with a dog and God was by his side. It doesn't mean that. It means that he was close to God, that he obeyed God, that God was pleased with him, and he was a friend of God. Now, if you go in a few chapters, a lot of chapters earlier, you'll find out that there's a very, very sad story about Noah. Because what happened was God had created men and women, and men and women were just being bad, disobedient, not doing what God wanted. And God was really being hurt again and again and again, and his heart was really, really hurt and heavy. And God one day thought to himself, I wish... I wish I'd never even created men. And he decided, I'm going to start again. I'm going to wipe the slate clean. I'm going to bring a flood. 
But there is one man and one man's family that I want to protect. I want to look after. And that's Noah. Because he's a good man. He's my friend. So God told Noah. What did he tell Noah? Anybody know what God told Noah? To build something. What did he tell? There's a life-size model of Noah's ark. God told him to build a massive, massive big boat and to bring animals into it and to bring the family into it. He says, there's going to be a big, massive flood. And I'm going to start again, but Noah, I'm going to protect you because you're my friend. And Noah and his family were brought in and God shut the door to protect them and they were safe. That was Noah's friend. Well, now I want to think I can jump there. No. Yeah. <laughs> right, let me see if I can jump over. And uh, I'm going to jump into the book of Exodus now, right? Whoa, right. In the book of Exodus, and I'm going to introduce you. Actually, I should have turned this round to let you see there's Noah. And jump in. I want to show you Moses. He was another man. Now, if you look in Exodus chapter 30, verse 1, we're told, So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend. Just like I can talk to you and get to know you. And you'd be, you could be my friends. I'd be your friend. We'd talk face to face. Right? And that's what God said. God was saying, you know, he, he, if Moses is my friend. I can talk to him face to face. But again, with, with Moses, there was a story before that that, made, that was not a nice story. Not a nice story. It was quite sad. I want you to try and picture in your minds slaves. Slaves with chains around their wrists, chains around their ankles. Back in Egypt, a place called Egypt, they were being beaten and whipped, and they were forced to build things for the evil Pharaoh. And it, it was awful how they were treated. It was terrible, terrible. So God one day, through a really strange thing, he got a bush and he made it go on fire. But the strange thing about it was it, it wasn't burning up. And Moses looked and said, that's a strange looking bush. And as he went over, God spoke to him out of the bush and God said, I have heard I've been listening to the cries of my people in slavery down in Egypt, and heart is breaking for them. So Moses, I want you to go down, and I want you to help them come out from that evil man, Pharaoh. So Moses, a bit frightened, you would be, he went down, went before this evil Pharaoh, and he said, God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no. And then he sent different plagues, frogs. Let my people go. No. Sent flies. Let my people go. No. Sent hail the size of footballs. Let my people go. No. And eventually, Pharaoh's son died. And he said to Moses, just take them. Take your people and go. Just go. Leave us alone. Just go. And so all the people were free. And Moses was leading them. And ahead of them was the Red Sea. 
And somebody looked round and said, what's all that dust over there? There's a big pile of dust coming towards us. It's getting closer and closer and closer. Somebody says, that's the Egyptian army. They're after us. Pharaoh had changed his mind. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? We can't go forward because the sea's there. And we can't go back because the Egyptians are there. What are we going to do? We're going to die. Help. What are we going to do? And Moses, he took his staff and he struck the Red Sea. And it, God parted it with his strength, parted the waves and pulled it right apart so that the people of God could walk right through it to the other side. And then when the Egyptians were coming, they had their chariots and their their horses, and they were running after them. And as they came into the Red Sea, and it was open like that, God then decided, right, let go. And he lets go of the sea, and it comes over them. And later on, the verse we read earlier, it says, God talked to Moses They just built a relationship, and he talked to him as if he was a friend, which he was a good friend. Now, I'm going to jump, it's a bit further. Do you think I can jump into the New Testament? No? No? I was quite good at the long jump. Okay, I'm going to try and jump into the New Testament, okay? Let me see. Whoa. 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 Okay, into into the New Testament, I'm going to jump into Luke chapter 15, no sorry, Luke chapter uh, 5, and what do we see when we jump into Luke chapter 5? What do we see? Oh, do you see what I see? I see the Sea of Galilee. I see some fishermen, and they've just been out fishing all night long, and they look really tired, and they're coming, and they're washing their nets down, and they haven't caught a thing. So they're all really sad. They've all really sad. Do you know who else? I see Jesus walking along the beach. You see him, he walking along the beach, and he comes over to the fishermen, that's Peter, James, and John, and Jesus says, I want you to go out again, and this time I'll come with you. And Peter and the fishermen are going, but we just got in. We have been out all night. See, the time to fish in the Sea of Galilee, if you're wanting to fish and catch loads of fish, is at night. Because the Sea of Galilee is so deep. But at night, when they see the reflection of the moon on the water, it attracts them to the surface, and they come up to feed. That's the time to go, not during the day when they go really, really deep. So they said, it's, 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 we shouldn't be going during the day. We're not going, we've just been out all night. Jesus says, please, just do what I say. Go out again. And so they went out again, and Jesus said, cast your nets cast your nets down. And the next thing, can you hear the the nets breaking? The nets start to break and rip because there's so many fish. And do you know what? Peter turns around to Jesus and he recognizes that this is an incredibly special man. He doesn't know who he is, but he's special. And Peter says, depart from me. I'm a sinner. Leave me alone. I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy to be with you. But Jesus makes 
many fishermen, his friend, makes them his friend. Okay, and we're jumping in then to John chapter 5, the last, the last part. You know, Jesus, we see just before he's arrested, Jesus sits with his disciples and talks to, him, to them, and he's told them that he is going to be arrested, he's going to die. But do you know what he's saying to them here? No longer do I call you servants, but I have called you friends. You have served me for three years now. We've slept out onto the stars together. We've eaten around the campfire together. We've laughed together. We've, we've told stories together. We've done a lot together. And you've really served me for three years. But I no longer call you servants. I call you my friends. Because what the Father tells me, I'm telling to you. You're my friends. And you know, boys and girls, whenever you give your life to Jesus Christ, he becomes your friend. Now, let me have a see that. Whoever comes to me, Jesus says, I will never drive away. Boys and girls, I was a wee bit older than you. I was 14 years old, and I gave my life to Jesus Christ when I was 14 years old. I didn't understand what all the fancy words were, Savior. King of kings, prince of peace, lord of lords. I didn't understand all of that. All I knew was that when I give my life to Jesus Christ, I had a friend forever. For the good times when I was on a high, on the bad times, for the mountains, for the valleys, that I had a friend. And Jesus was my friend. And now, boys and girls... What I want to do here, because um, Morel is a great friend. That's what he is to this congregation. He's a great friend, and everyone respects him and loves him in this congregation. And you know what? More importantly than that, and he's been through a lot in his life, a lot, but I would reckon the most important thing that he ever did was give his life to Jesus Christ because then he became God's friend. And I'm just going to turn this around a wee minute. Just give me a minute. Just talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> okay. And that's who we honor today. So the only the only hymn that Morel hasn't picked for today is one I picked because of the theme, and it's What a Friend We Have in Jesus. So let's stand and sing What a Friend We Have in Jesus.
seated. Let's pray a minute. Okay, boys and girls, go to pray, okay? Father, we thank you that in Jesus Christ we have such a good friend. Yes, he is King of Kings. Yes, he is Lord of Lords. Yes, he is our Savior. He's our forgiver. But we thank you that we have him as our friend, as our friend for today, as our friend for tomorrow, for next week, next month, next year, for our lives. And we thank you that he truly does stick closer to us than a brother. Lord, we're all weak at times. We all feel at times. But we thank you, Lord, that you are there to pick us up and dust us down and set us on our way again. We thank you for that, for your friendship. Amen. Amen. Okay, so I thought that we normally have a wee quiz uh, at the family service. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a wee quiz, and it's called Don't Get Your Feet Wet. I'm trying to get, keep the theme of lakes, rivers, you know, and, uh, and the sea. So this side, okay, this is going to be HMS Capel. And over this side, James, this is going to be HMS Hibernia. Okay. Now, some of these questions, it's a family service. Some of these questions are more too difficult for the children. So I need folk to help, okay? Older folk to help. If you get it right, and maybe, um, uh, Karen, would you keep score on this side? Okay. And uh, Barry, would you keep score on this side? If you get it right, you get a, you get a point, okay? If you don't get it right, you get wet. <laughs> you get a squirt. Okay. Okay, so get it wrong as much as you want, because I, I enjoy this. <laughs> okay, so we'll start at this side then. HMS Capel. What river mentioned in the Old Testament turned to blood found in the book of Exodus? Does anybody know what river is referred to in Egypt? The Nile. Good, Morel. Good. Okay. You're safe enough, yes. <laughs> okay. Okay, this side then. Hibernia. What was the name of the port that Jonah ran to to get on a boat? Joppa, well done, and well done. Okay. Now, Capel. What sea was Joppa, which is now known as Jaffa, what sea was it situated on? Somebody said the Mediterranean? Yeah. Oh, Morel again, well done. <laughs> He's got to help Morel. He's on his own here. Okay, now the Hibernia then. What sea did God part when Moses struck the water with his staff? And I've just been talking about it. Yes. The Red Sea. I want somebody to get it wrong. <laughs> Come on. Okay, in what river was Jesus baptized? 
The Jordan. Okay. On what sea um, did Jesus calm the storm? Sea of Galilee. Very good. Okay, on his way to Rome, Paul was shipwrecked. On what sea was Paul shipwrecked? The Mediterranean. <laughs> okay, they're getting harder though. They'll get... What island was Paul shipwrecked on? Which is it? Somebody say in Cyprus, somebody say in Malta. Malta. Oh. <laughs> I thought I was going to get a go there. Okay. Now, what sea in Israel is so salty that you can float on it without any armbands or with any rubber ring? The Dead Sea. Good. Good, good grief. These are very smart. Now, what time did Peter, he lived on the coast because he was a fisherman. What time did Peter come from on the coast of the Sea of Galilee? Anybody know the time? That's the principle of Belfast Bible College. Maybe I've got it. Maybe I've got it wrong. Well, I'll soak it anyway. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Now, what river in the Old Testament was so bitter that it was undrinkable until Moses threw in a piece of wood? What river was so bitter, they couldn't drink from it, it was so undrinkable because of the, of the bitterness in it that Moses had to throw in a piece of wood and then they were able to drink from it. Anybody know that? No, Chris. No? Okay, I'll see how far back this goes. <laughs> okay, let me see. Right, so over to the Hibernia, HMS Hibernia, okay? The location of the Garden of Eden is identified in Genesis 2 by its proximity to four rivers. One, the Piston, Two, Gihon. Three, Tars. What's the fourth? The Garden of Eden is identified in Genesis 2 by its proximity to four rivers, the Piston, Gihon, Tars, and what's the fourth? Margaret, well done, Euphrates. Well done. So, over here, there's only two more questions. One left here, one left over here. What river did the people of God cross to get to the Promised Land? Jordan. That wasn't the lagon. <laughs> the Jordan, right. 
Okay, so how many, Barry, many over here so far? Six? Okay, and Karen, five so far. Um, okay, at what pool, this is the final question, at what pool did Jesus heal a man of blindness after putting mud over his eyes? At what pool did Jesus heal a man of blindness after putting mud over his eyes? Sounds? Silo? Silo? Which one is going for? The Shiloh or the Siloam? Oh, okay, what are you going for? <laughs> Would you just woman make up your mind? Hurry up. What are you? Are you what are you just going for? The Shiloh? No, it was the Siloam. Um, Pleasure to introduce to you James Burnett, Royal Navy Chaplain in Training and Principal of Belfast Bible College, and he's going to come and and speak a few words to you. Thank you, James. Well, good morning. On behalf of the Royal Navy, I should like to congratulate uh, Morel Murphy on this incredible milestone in your life, reaching your 100th birthday. A big congratulations from the Royal Navy. Of course, you have had other milestones in your life, Morel, and I'm sure, as Mark mentioned today, and Commander Rob Milligan would have mentioned yesterday, HMS Capel and your arduous journey being blown off the ship into the December waters off the coast of France, clambering onto a life raft, and being rescued two hours later. Sadly, Lieutenant Heslop, eight officers and 67 men lost their lives that day. You have the Royal Navy's deepest respect and admiration for your service. The Royal Navy exists to protect our nation's interests as a guardian, a diplomat, and a humanitarian force for good. Our motto is, if you wish for peace, prepare for war, recognizing the realities of this world. There's always someone somewhere trying to take someone else's land or livelihood or culture, clearly seen today in Ukraine. I thought, uh, boys and girls, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I thought I would wear uh, this uniform uh, because, Morel, this is the standard uniform on ships today. Uh, slightly changed. Our, our sea cadets are wearing the number one uniforms. Uh, but this is what everyone wears on a ship today. Uh, the only difference is the lapel. And you always have to check what people are wearing here because this has to do with rank. These are far retardant. And every sailor on uh, ships uh, these days will be wearing this uniform. And it is an honor indeed to, to wear it. In fact, James Bond, Daniel Craig, uh, no less. <laughs> Uh, that's another reason why I wanted to wear Anyway, James Bond, <laughs> Daniel Craig, uh, was given one of these uniforms because he was made uh, on finishing his role as 007, an honorary uh, commander role in the Royal Navy Reserve. So there are photographs of him wearing it, and I thought, well, if he can wear it, I can wear it too. <laughs> 
The uniform has changed, the technology has changed, but other than that, the Royal Navy is pretty much, uh, I imagine, what it was like in your day. Last weekend I was at HMS Rally in the south of England on a training course, and uh, the day went as follows, 5.45 a.m., call to hands, Saturday morning. <laughs> 6 a.m., 15 minutes, shard, dressed, assembled, ready to march for breakfast. 6.30 a.m., breakfast finished, march back to the accommodation block. 6.45 to 8 a.m., cleaning stations. Uh, we don't employ cleaners in the Navy. Everyone cleans everywhere. Um, 8.15, 8 a.m. briefing, 8.15 a.m. lecture, first lecture of the day. 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. leadership exercises. Uh, out in uh, the cold, it was four degrees, uh, wearing what I'm wearing. Uh, I did 21,000 steps uh, during that time, but that doesn't tell the story of climbing up and down steep hills, carrying oil drums and all manner of equipment, completely covered in mud. 5 p.m. march back to the accommodation block, 5.10. Quick turnaround, change of clothes, back onto the square, 5.25 p.m. march to the foot hall. 6 p.m. march back from the foot hall to the accommodation uh, block. 6 p.m. to 7.30, clean the boots, clean the kit, clean the whole place. 7.30 p.m. inspection rounds by the officers, 8 to 9 p.m. in the classroom for more lectures, 9 p.m. to 10.30 cleaning boots and other stuff, lights out strictly 10.30, up again the next day at 5.45. <laughs> in fact, that's wrong, you get a sleep in of 15 minutes for a Sunday, so <laughs> give or take. Uh, you may listen to that and think, oh my gosh, who, who would want to do that? Well, I can tell you the whole point is teamwork. And uh, the military teaches you about living and working as a team. And, uh, and teamwork focused on a mission. The bonds, the camaraderie, the friendship is incredible, as has already been alluded to today in our service. In fact, it's only by joining the military that I really understand aspects of the Bible, because... Uh, the Apostle Paul, when he talks about the church, he uses military imagery. When we think about fellowship, we think of tea, coffee, and tray bakes. Now, there's nothing wrong with tea, coffee, and tray bakes. <laughs> no letters to the eldership, <laughs> please. There's nothing wrong with tea, coffee, and, the, and tray bakes. But in the New Testament, when Paul thinks about the church, he talks about the military. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, contending together, thinking of the, the Roman army, contending together as one man or one person for the kingdom of God. And so it's only by joining the military I really understand, appreciate what Paul's getting at. Because the teamwork, the camaraderie, the bond, the willingness to do anything for God, it's one of the things I've learned. Of course, uh, the world still needs those thin blue and green lines, the Royal Navy, the Army, the Marines, and the Royal Air Force. And it needs those thin green and blue lines because the world is the way it is. Sin, tyrants, evil, and all of the rest of it. But I want to focus, to wrap this up, on the people who form these green and blue lines. They are sacrificial, they are courageous, and they're giving. 
I'm really inspired when I, when I see sea cadets, uh, when I see young people in my own uh, ship's company, some in the top schools in Northern Ireland, and unlike all the, their peers, they, they want to go into the Navy full-time to serve their country. Uh, and that is an attitude that is countercultural uh, in my experience. Young people who want to serve, who, who put themselves out there. And, uh, I, and so I, I think of um, Morel and his generation, the Second World War, the sacrifice, the courage, those thin blue-green lines that protected our nation in its darkest hour. And there's a scripture that comes to my mind. Uh, it's Romans chapter 5, verse 7 to 8, because uh, I do believe the Bible does talk about those people who make up the military. And it's in verse 7, if you were wondering. So let me read it very quickly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. Verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. A number of months ago, I had the privilege of speaking at the 40th anniversary of the Falklands War. We had veterans of the, of the Marines and the Army, uh, the Navy, and of course the Air Force in our company. And I was telling them that you, know, that, that you can find them in the Bible. Romans chapter 5, verse 7, very rarely will anyone lay down their life for someone else, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. When I think of the military and those people who join it, these are the ones in verse, chapter 5, verse 7, who are willing to lay down their lives for other people. And God gets people like that. Because in verse 8, we discover that God himself is someone who's willing to lay down his life for the sake of others, in fact, for the whole of humankind. And so, contrastingly to the way most people think about church, God, Christianity, the military, church isn't for us. In actual fact, God really understands the courageous, the sacrificial, those who are willing to go the extra mile. This world has been very difficult um, over the last couple of years with the pandemic. Now we're into the Ukrainian war, uh, which has all kinds of implications. We have uh, fuel crises, we have inflation, we have strikes. Uh, the world's at sea. And there isn't a person I, I have yet to meet that has not experienced life at sea in that sense. We've all been in the storms. The heart of God is to, I'm thinking of morale being at sea, needing rescued. And the heart of God is a God who sees the world at sea and steps down, courageously steps up to rescue. That we might take his hand by faith, be pulled from the sea, and be placed on a rock. That is what God wants to do for all of us. Uh, when I grew up, uh, growing up, I was into sailing. Um, I was a boy's boy, man's man. And I thought church was completely irrelevant to me because it didn't really fit with my worldview and my outlook. Uh, but then I discovered who God really is, that, that God is 
courageous, that God is powerful, that God is strong, that God is loving, God is compassionate. Many of the things that the Navy does, protects, defends, rescues, helps other people, is exactly what God does. I wonder today, can you relate to this God? Morel Murphy, you have lived your life in verse 7. You're willing to give your life for our nation. And the Royal Navy salutes you, sir. In verse 8, we discover a God who fully understands people, who are courageous and willing to sacrifice. A God whom you also know. We pray that you will have a wonderful 100th year, and that God will continue to bless you in your life, in your witness, and in the sharing of your story, which most definitely needs to be told. It is my privilege on behalf of the Royal Navy to respect you, extend our deepest respect, admiration, and to enter into this celebration of your life this morning. The Royal Navy, which is, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, the finest Navy in the world. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Morel from Ballycrocken, Presbyterian Church. Um, just as a wee token, uh, we would like to present you with something. So I'm going to ask Hannah Archer is going to come and present you with something. And at the same time, then we're going to have a couple of wee clips from last night come up on the video. wish you a very happy birthday, Morel. And uh, we're going to sing happy birthday to Morel now. Okay. Just when we get the candles lit. <laughs> oh, 
Jill McConley, who has made the cake for us today, and uh, please stay behind for a cup of tea and a wee bit of cake. Okay, so um, we're going to finish our service by singing another hymn which uh, Morel requested, Eternal Father, Strong to Save. I just invite you personally, if you're a visitor this morning, uh, you're very, very welcome to stay behind and have uh, a cup of tea or coffee and uh, a wee bit of cake with us. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore.
Amen.